Hey everybody, Adrian here, one of the co-hosts of Sidebar Forever, the new version of Pop Culture Podcast. Every month, Sidebar Forever posts brand new episodes discussing and examining pop culture and art-related topics. However, as a bonus and a reminder to listeners who followed us in our previous incarnation, we're representing some of our vintage back episodes. Many of our classic interviews and roundtables will once again be available in our podcast feed. So, please enjoy this back episode from the Barchives, and don't forget to subscribe to Sidebar Forever on SidebarForever.com, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or anywhere else you get your podcast. And hey, follow us on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so you don't miss a single new episode of Sidebar Forever. But for any young bucks out there who don't know how it's shaking, most recently you can see him on the stands uh, doing Avengers. Uh, Avengers 1959. Avengers 1959. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's done some other things, Wolverine series uh, with uh, Jason Aaron. Uh, he did a series with Garth Ennis. What was that? Uh, War is Hell, War the is Hell. F- Phantom Eagle. And uh, but you know you'll know him from many many other things in comics. American Flag back in the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, the Shadow Run he did, mm-hmm. um, Black Hawk, Black Hawk, Challengers mm-hmm. of the Unknown, Stars My Destination. Just, uh, going back even further, Stars My Destination, Cody uh, Empire, Cody Starbuck, mm-hmm. uh, and Gideon Faust, which was one that I liked. Nobody yeah. else liked it. I liked it. <laughs> Actually, seeing it now today, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take it home and read it. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's some of that flower stuff in there too that you were talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Howard is a writer. He's an artist. Uh, he has worked in television as a uh, as a writer and uh, and as a, a producer on uh, The Viper and Flash mm-hmm. and Mutant X. And um, but he returned to comics in 2003 after being out of it for a good long while working in TV uh, with Mighty Love, a, a graphic novel for uh, for DC Comics. And he's been in comics ever since, doing stuff. Um, and I actually, I think I kind of jumped back on the Chaken, uh, Chaken train when he worked on uh, Blade with uh, Mark Guggen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Marco Georgievich was doing the uh, Marco fantastic covers yes. of that book, yo. Yes. I must break you. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we get to Howard, we're going to talk about our sponsor, which is... Graham Crackers Comics. Comics. Located where? In, in the great state of Illinois. Illinois. And on the interwebs where? <laughs> At GrahamCracker.com. There we go. Okay. <laughs> that should have been more specific. Yes. Uh, Graham Crackers Comics. Uh, they've got tons of stuff by Chaken. If you go mm-hmm. to the, we just went to the uh, to the website in the search field and put in Chaken, and you get a, uh, a lot of G.I. Joe stuff that he did comes mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. But you have to search individually, uh, and you'll find uh, the Challenges of the Unknown stuff there, uh, the American Flag stuff is there, and definitely the Avengers 1959 stuff mm-hmm. is there. But they're an awesome comic shop. And don't forget about Black well, I don't know Black yeah. Kiss is there. That's okay. why I didn't mention it. <laughs> Somebody might be like, oh, damn, they got Black Kiss? <laughs> Since there's so many incarnations of it, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The yeah. Vortex and then... Uh, the, the Dynamite hardcover. The Dynamite hardcover. So. But anyway, Howard's, uh, you can p- find plenty of Howard's stuff at grandcrackers.com, so definitely go and buy something today. Yes. All right. um, I enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. I think we all did. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it turned out a lot... I won't say it turned out better than we thought. Is that a fair? I uh, think it did. Yeah. In my, yeah. In my, it turned out better? I think okay. so. Okay. Turned out better than we thought. Yeah. The potential is there to, to, to me to be to go either way. Yeah. You know, and he, he definitely elevated it to another level. Yeah. Because he, he, took, he, took, um, he took us seriously and we took him seriously. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we, uh, we definitely got a chance to ask him about a, a lot of stuff that he said over the years, mm-hmm. his techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a guy who started out working 
100% traditionally, mm-hmm. and now he's incorporated, you know, the digital uh, tools into his uh, into his arsenal mm-hmm. and done so well. Mm-hmm. William, um, yeah, yeah. And um, we also got to find out some his opinions on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, he has uh, agreed or disagreed with certain quotes over the years. <laughs> yeah. uh, perhaps his memory's getting fuzzy. Let's say he had a birthday back in October, right? <laughs> and um, but he also um, he also gave us a few surprises that we're not going to spoil here. Yeah. But, yeah. There's some things in there that you've never, ever, ever heard, before. heard Howard Chaykin do before. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's yeah, that added, elevated it to a whole other level with yeah. that, man. It was, yeah. you know, I mean, I was very impressed. Yeah. Yes. So without further ado, we'll give you our uh, our interview. Uh, this is Howard Chaykin Revealed. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. The Interview. No, I was born in Newark, but only because, and this is, these are secrets that evolve as, as, as life goes on. Uh, I was born in Newark, New Jersey, uh, because I was illegitimate. And because I, my mother was living in, 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 in uh, Staten Island at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I was an illegitimate child. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result thereof, uh, sort of the hide me out, I was born out of, out of state and uh, to be concealed. Mm-hmm. And um, but I was raised in... First in Staten Island, and then in Brooklyn, and then in Queens. Mm. Um, I was raised in by a single mom after my, my, my mother and dad split up. With the guy, my dad, the guy I thought was my dad, turned out to be my, my adoptive father. Mm. Okay, I've never, never known my real father, mm. and um, he may very well know, not even know I exist. Or he, and I'm sure he's long dead by now because I'm an old fucking so <laughs> uh, So so basically, that's uh, the upshot of it. Is I'm a I'm a, I'm a prime contender for comic book fanboys simply because you know come from the lower middle classes mm-hmm. as as most of us did in those days and um, you know raised in 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 what is now you know sort of you know slowly gentrifying what what was, was in those days uh, sort of the ghetto the, the the welfare ghetto of New York of, of Brooklyn okay and um, that's uh, that's my story. Now, let me ask you this, because you have mentioned as well some things that, and again, read a lot of print interviews with you back in the day, and there were things that I, I thought I knew, and then in the last 10 years, you've been a lot more forthcoming about some other things. You've described your teenage years, uh, especially, I guess, during the time when you, uh, when you were assisting Gil, that you were overweight, you were... Oh, I was usually... Well, back then, I, I hadn't put... Well, let me see. By the time I went to work with Gil, I'd lost the weight. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. But I weighed 265 pounds when I was 17 years old. Wow. Wow. You know, okay. so so whenever I, I meet comic book fanboys, I'm 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 among my people. <laughs> um, you know, I mean it's it's just the, the bottom line. I mean, I have um, you know, I, I keep I have a picture of myself at the age of seventeen on my bulletin board. You know, literally with an eye shot on my face, and it's a picture of me tying a rope belt, standing alongside a station wagon. <laughs> And it's and it's and it's it's a, it's a judgment call as to which is wider, you know. <laughs> wow! 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 So I was a big guy. Okay. Well, let, let me ask you this, Howard, because uh, one of the things that you have mentioned in terms of uh, assisting Gill, and, and mm-hmm. you said your assisting Gill was really just being a flunky, sweeping floors and running. Pretty areas. well. I'm not not so much sweeping sweeping floors. He had a housekeeper, but okay. um, but the truth is, I wasn't good enough to do the work that a uh, that an actual hands-on assistant would be required. Okay. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, I learned a great deal about how to position myself and learn how to do that work okay. from watching him do it. Mm. Okay. 
Okay. Now, you mean that in terms of uh, interacting with editors, meeting deadlines? No, no, no. I mean the literal rhythm of getting up in the morning and sitting down at the drawing table and doing it. Okay, okay, okay. Now, in, in regards to that, Howard, uh, with you while you're assisting Gil Kane, I know that you've had assistance yourself um, mm-hmm. throughout your career. Yes. Now, have you taken any um, aplomb in maybe mentoring those assistants and maybe even your current assistants? Gil well, Kane? I mean, the fact is, I, when I hire a guy, my, my, my pledge to that guy is that I will get him to do better work for me than he does for himself. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. That's, that, that is something you'll hear from everybody who's ever worked for me will tell you they've heard that. Mm-hmm. And that's just the bottom line. Uh, my feeling is most of us in the comic book business are up to a point willing to work and then get incredibly lazy. Mm. Right. And we sort of write off the, uh, the rest of the effort. And, um, you know, by a little push, and I speak for myself because I am by nature an incredibly lazy son of a bitch. Okay. Um, it isn't until I'm pushed against the wall that I force myself to actually be as committed to labor as I should be. Okay. If that makes if that makes any sense. Absolutely. You know, so so basically, I, I believe that when I when I shuffle off and I hit the dirt nap, I will be reasonably well remembered as a guy who who trained a lot of guys how to do the job. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you this: you me- you mentioned uh, that early on as a comic book uh, artist, and then obviously eventually a comic book artist and writer, but that you know, early on you would get bored like seven or eight pages into the job, and then you reached a point later on where you're not even really hitting your stride until page 15 or 16. Do you think that, and maybe you've talked to other professionals about this, do you think that's the case with a lot of guys, or have you, have you found other people share that opinion? Um, my feeling is I, it was more that I became bored with the, with the work because I wasn't good enough to do it. Mm. Okay. That's been my, I mean, it isn't a matter of page count. It's when I started out in my career, much of the work I got was due to was under false pretenses. I have no idea why people gave me work because my samples were just so shitty. Mm. Okay. And I think basically I was just, you know, tenacious. Okay. Mm. And the boredom that I had for most of the work in the early 70s was simply by dint of the fact that my skill sets were not up to the work required of me. Hmm. You know, I mean, very simply, I just wasn't very good. Mm. And, the, and, you know, I started out in my career lousy. Mm. And I stuck around long enough to develop some self-esteem, which ultimately led me to at least working harder and getting gooder, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and ultimately, that's paid off for me in the, in the longevity of my career. Uh, to this day, I no longer get bored because... I worked my skill sets up to such a degree. Hold on a second. Let me cough. This is disgusting. <coughs> coming down. I've been, I've been coming down with a cold now. I think since Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so basically, what so much of that of what you're talking about really comes out of not being up to the job in the first place. Okay. okay. Can you hold on a second while I put a shirt on? Stay right there. Okay. Sure. You, you, when you called me, I was buck naked. Stay right there. Oh. <laughs> Think about that for a moment while right? I'm <laughs> I, we we rather not. Right. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. I'm back. Okay. Right. And I'm dressed. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you have no idea how grateful you are. <laughs> well, as you said on the phone last time I talked to you, we're uh, we're excited by the prospect. So there you go. What a deal. Uh, so does that, does that, I mean, does that, does that clarify that issue? I mean, I don't deny ever saying it, but, yeah. but, but for Christ's sake, I've been doing this shit for, for over 40 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, trip me up if you will, but at your own peril. 
No, 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 yeah. no. But it is. <laughs> just kidding. It, it does make sense. And, and to be quite honest, uh, there was kind of a there was a leap forward in terms of your uh, your draftsmanship and your rendering. At, at one point where it just went from, I always liked your stuff, but the early stuff was pretty crude and, and like you mm-hmm. said, kind of mm-hmm. shitty. But then, you know, uh, maybe just before Flag or Flag moving forward, it seemed like your rendering got better. It was- it's also because I went to work for Byron Price, and, I, and, and Price, and as much as I, I hold Price at a certain distance, mm-hmm. um, the experience of working for Byron Price forced me to, to learn technique mm-hmm. and to access some, some, some visual ideas that, that were unavailable to me technically and intellectually until that point. Mm. And, um, I mean, I'll, I'll be grateful for the work, not, not so much for Brian for giving me it, because I thought that Brian was, a, was an exploitative guy. But the opportunity to do that work forced my hand, so to speak, okay. and made me, made me work harder and, and be better. Okay. Okay? Okay. Now, speaking of um, Byron Price and just moreover, your work, your illustration work of the late 70s, um, I know that one of your interests is um, classic 20th century uh, American illustration. Yes, that's quite true. All right. Now, did this work inform um, your illustrations as you started to do more of that type of work yourself around that time? Oddly enough, most of the illustration work I was doing at the time <laughs> was more influenced by, by contemporary guys. Mm. On the other hand, the comic book work I've done, has, to a profound degree, really reflected a, you know, that, that tw- entire 20th century overview. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in my living room right now, and I'm looking at my wall, and I've got five, you know, like, my, in my living room alone, I've got, tw- I've got 10, 12 pieces okay. of American illustration originals, okay? Mm-hmm. Most of the guys, I mean, you know, John Whitcomb, Bob Peake, Al mm-hmm. Parker, mm-hmm. Harry Beckoff, Ted Kokonis, Michael Schwab, uh, Her- Herbert Pouts, Robert Fawcett, mm-hmm. uh, Julian Allen, Orson Lowell, and Robert McGinnis. Wow. And only, you know, a couple of those guys are contemporaries. The rest are, you know, historical classics. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And that stuff really does inform the comic book work I've done. Okay. You know, I mean, to quote Walter Simonson, illustration, uh, comic books, rather, are illustration with the addition of time. And mm-hmm. I take that, that idea very seriously. Okay. Mm-hmm. And listen, by the way, if we run out of time, there's no reason why we can't do a follow-up. Oh, well, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Because, again, I'm, I'm willing to mistake attention for affection. Well, <laughs> you've not done so here today. Um, let me ask you this, Howard. Because um, what Adrian's talking about in terms of your, the illustration work that you did in the late 70s, obviously the Star's My Destination and Empire and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. For, but um, later on, there's a time where you, t- you worked as a, full, a full-time illustrator doing right. paperback right. covers, correct? Right. Yeah. Now, you described your exodus from the comics business as kind of being driven out of it by an editor-in-chief. And I was wondering yes. if you would describe the circumstances that kind of brought about that departure. You don't have to name names, of course. Um, basically, I did a piece of work, and um, I felt I was hung out to dry by, for, for personal reasons uh, by the editor-in-chief on a, uh, on a correction issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a guy who, who had a... Uh, a, 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 a deep-seated sense of self-esteem, and um, and took it out on his talent, mm. and um, and I felt that uh, I felt chumped around by it. Frankly, I, I did. I felt I, I felt completely jerked around by by his behavior and, and, and his treatment of me, mm-hmm. and um, and it left me uh, with a bad taste, and uh, and that bad taste translated into my being, you know, taking taking advantage and getting getting the hell out of comics. Mm. Uh, I, I was I was lucky enough to have been developing a portfolio at the time. Mm-hmm. So and I was I was lucky enough to get get paperback work. Mm. Um, I was you know a, a kind of an odd duck for that that universe. Mm. Um, but it 
was a time where there was there was some some, some guys willing to take some chances on some less conservative looking stuff. Right. And they paid the price for that in the long run because um, the, the 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 book publishing business demonstrated itself to be extremely conservative. Um, guys who were doing interesting graphic work and paperbacks paid the price and gotten lost everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, someone told us uh, that. I don't know if it's a have or a had issue, but that you had some uh, some colorblind issues and even hmm. some issues with dyslexia. Um, I don't think I'm dyslexic. I think I'm OCD. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm far from dyslexic. Okay, but I'm definitely colorblind. Yes, I was I was diagnosed with colorblindness when I was actually the week of the, the Cuban Missile Crisis. So it, that, that, that's what I, I mean. My, my own narcissism identifies the Cuban. <laughs> 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 um, and I think that if you're going to be a narcissist, you might as well really go go, go the fuck. Go all the surely, way, surely, right? <laughs> Straight <laughs> to the top, you know. Right. So there you go. Um, that said, no, I'm not dyslexic, but I'm de- but I'm definitely OCD. Okay. And uh, and and it's and it's a, and it's a, and, and I've I've been I've had a mild case of OCD since I was much younger, but in the last. 10 or 15 years, it has become more pronounced. And uh, it acts itself out in, it's hard, it's hard to, to delineate exactly how, but it has a, uh, it, it's had a, an effect on my personal life. <laughs> That's kind of, of course, yeah. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, they, but the colorblindness is definitely an issue. It actually stopped me from learning how to paint for a couple of years until I learned, for example, that Alex Toth was colorblind and, mm-hmm. uh, and that Robert Fawcett was colorblind as well. No and, idea. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, damn. Yeah, and I and I and I, I could be wrong, but I think Michael Kaluta might be as well. Oh, okay, I could be. I that could be. is astounding because all he's no, done is painting. not you know, not really. It because colorblindness is a condition which is very easily misunderstood. Uh-huh. It's not like the you don't see shit the way your dog sees it. It's not a gray and black and white world. Right. Okay. It's a matter of it's it's a matter of levels of sensitivity. For example, I'm reasonably sensitive to green to red and reasonably insensitive to green. Okay. Okay. Um, I have, and, and the problem acts itself out primarily in red, for example, in the mixing of color. I have a very difficult time discerning between the colors purple and blue mm-hmm. because there's so much red and purple. Okay. Okay. So okay. That, if that helps. If that, that begins to help. Let that, that that'll be worth that. Yeah. Okay. I was curious because obviously working with colorists and then you know working as a painter and illustration, yeah. you know, doing the paper. Cody Starbuck? Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah. yeah all of that <laughs> stuff, really. Well, I mean, it's you know, you, you, you'd be surprised what you can achieve. Um, by uh, by understanding the t- tonal values. Mm. That's true. Okay. Okay. Now I had a question in regards to your technique while we're talking about illustration techniques. Um, in your current comics work, it looks like you've reconciled your um, influences as far as the um, the classic illustrators with like some of your comics work. Like mm-hmm. um, I noticed, and it looks to me like you're using like a like a split hair brush for inking yep. hair now. Yep. Um, there's looks like some charcoal or grease pencil or china marker for some. No, actually, I'm, I'm I'm actually using using Prismacolor black. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, I mean, basically, um, I work on a on a on a on a surface with a bit of tooth. Right. And um, um, what what that does is it it, it tends to soften an edge. Mm-hmm. And bear in mind, um, the effect, the technique. Here, here's what sound may sound contradictory. Okay. Um, the the fact is. That technique, in terms of doing black and white material, mm-hmm. is really only appro- a- appropriate for me when I'm working with a colorist who knows how to use that material as a guide uh, to the com- in-, in computer coloring to, to soften edges. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Um, for for just for example, I'm I'm the, the the next art job I'll be doing after I, I do a couple of individual small pieces this month. Uh, starting in January, I'll be doing I'll be starting drawing the the sequel to Black Kiss. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. It's the first, um, folks. <laughs> yeah. Well, you filthy pigs. And uh, <laughs> just so we understand each other. And, and the fact is, that's going to be in black and white. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I will probably, I mean, probably, it's no problem. I will definitely adjust my technique because I will explain right now that my black and white originals that I deliver them to Marvel are incredibly dense. Mm. And what you see in color is everybody from Ed- Edgar or Jesus, Jesus mostly these days, mm-hmm. interpreting all of that pattern work in depth in deep, for deep space. Mm. And when, 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 when what I deliver in black and white is what prints, I have to be much more judicious and specific and cleaner, since I don't want to use halftone, I don't want to go gray tone, mm-hmm. right. that it'll be zipatone in some pattern, but much more dialed back. Yeah. So I've been spending the past couple of months looking at everybody from, I mean, literally from Doug Snade to, uh, to Jordi Burnett, mm-hmm. Alex to Jacques Tardy, you know, yes. all, all the guys who do amazing black and white stuff. Right. Um, and just, you know, trying to find a visual language that's going to work for 120 pages. Mm-hmm. Got you. You follow? Mm-hmm. Yes. And... While you're talking about as far as like uh, digital coloring, um, I know that you've said in pre- previous interviews that um, your graphic intensive work on American Flag was in a sense you anticipating Photoshop. I, I tend to believe that, yes. Yeah, and, and now that Photoshop is so ubiquitous in comics, um, you've really embraced it more, far more than most of your peers of your generation. Well, it's because I, unlike, well, again, this gets back in an odd sort of way to what I said earlier about being the least talented of my, of my generation. Mm. Because of that, I didn't have anything to stand on or rely on. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, unlike Wrightson or Kaluta, I didn't arrive fully formed. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, my, I mean, I, 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 grew, I grew up in public, you know? Yeah. And That's true. Re- That's true. That's I didn't awesome. think about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as a result of that, um, I've been available to adjustment and change, and I've also accepted the unfortunate reality of my career, which is the necessity of reinventing myself every two, three, five years. Yes. Mm. Yes. Okay. And, you know, th- th- there, there's a... There's a synchronous line you can draw from the work I did, say, in the late 70s, early 80s to now, but there's an evolutionary development. And I frequently have to go back and look at work that I've done as recently as 10 years ago to see what I meant by a layout direction that I've been running in. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Mm. Yes. Okay. But the, 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 the embracing of new techniques, new technologies, for me, is inspired by the fact that I don't have the, the natural crowd-pleasing gifts that a lot of my, my, my peers and, and, and contemporaries did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my, my, my stuff demands a bit more work of the reader than yes. a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. And because of that, um, I'm, I'm free. And, 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 and oddly enough, it frees me up in ways that I hadn't even, had never considered just how, how, how possible it made me, made it for me to do whatever I fucking wanted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, and I just had one little um, last tidbit to that question um, in regards to Photoshop. Now, now have you considered um, going completely digital with your production? No, no, mm. no. no. That would be. I'm too dirty. Yeah. You know, I like, I like. You know, I, I look at my. I'm a left-handed guy. You know, mm-hmm. and I've got a callus on my on my my middle finger, my left hand, that's been there since 1971. Yeah. Right? Wow. And. Um, <laughs> You know, and it's, it's, it's white today only because I haven't been, working, been inking for the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Normally, it's, it's literally stained black. Mm. Okay? Because then there's, there's ink under the skin. It's still there. I can't, I mean, it'll never get out. It'll kill me, ultimately. Wow. <laughs> um, I, I like the idea of compositing material. 
Mm-hmm. And, I, and I might add, for example, I'm about to embark on, on doing two pieces, which are quasi-commissions you know, for, a, for a small publisher, mm-hmm. which I'm going to be delivering the originals on. So it'll be the first time I've done that in a long time. Okay. And where I'll be doing pieces without any access to Photoshop. So we're going to go right back to, back to first principles, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably, I, I will use some split, some, some, some dry brush technique. I will use some, some you know, some, some, uh, some pencil technique. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I won't have the Photoshop qualities to get in there and do, you know, to paste up uh, uh, chain mail. Right. Okay. Um, things like that. So, or, or even, you know, gack on a ground plane, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Howard, as far as this follow-up that you're working on, for, uh, or this uh, sequel, I guess I should say, to Black Kiss, now, mm-hmm. you, it seems as if, I'll use the term, you've been in bed with, uh, with Dynamite, with, uh, with this Black Kiss uh, thing, and then the art book coming up here pretty soon. Will mm-hmm. they be the publisher of the sequel, too? No. No, okay. they will not. Okay. okay. Can you it, tell us it, who it will? Oh, it'll be an image book. Okay. 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 Uh, image announced it this past San Diego. Okay. And, um, and the funniest thing was, they, they, because I live in California, they, they're Northern Californians, they called me on Thursday and asked if it could be down there on Friday to, to show up at the, uh, at, at the panel. I, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a five-hour train ride, a four-hour drive. No. Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Nah. Uh, not, not, no. No. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, if, if I were 30 and I was looking for a blowjob, maybe. Uh, but, but neither. Ne- ne- neither fact exists. So, no. And uh, so that's that. So, yeah, I mean, but basically what I did, I mean, I, I spent, I guess, the past three weeks doing the page breakdown. So I now have all 12 chapters mm-hmm. broken down. And my next job is to take those chapters and turn them into pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, they are pages, not, not the next page's panels. Okay. And um, and it's it's both a prequel sequel. It, it, it's events that detail before and after the 1980 series. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me ask you one quick follow up question. What Adrian's asking as far as process goes, Howard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In regards to your design sense, your aesthetic, where, where does that come from? In terms of what you know, there's there's obviously the, the great illustrators that you that you were were accustomed to when you were you were younger. But you know what 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 makes that in, in Times Square, for example, what what brought that about? Because that was a, a serious transition for me when I saw, when I saw your artwork. Well, you were probably too young for the book when it came out. Okay. I mean, I, I'm, quite, I'm quite serious. I'm, and I'm not talking about the content. I'm talking about the presentation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Times Squared existed. I mean, Times Squared is probably, if not my favorite, then, then in, in the top three favorites of everything I've ever done. Mm, okay. um, it's an extremely personal book. It's a, um, it's a bearded attack on my family and my upbringing. Mm-hmm. And, okay. um, you know, I mean, the characters in the book are all based on, on, on actual people in my life. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, and that said, I, I threw a lot of my my, my, my real my, my genuine personal feelings into that book, and and I tried to do a book that reflected a a bebop sensibility visually, and I, and I succeeded in some places, I failed in others. You know? Okay, but, uh, mm-hmm. I mean one, one of the things about about comics is that you know pe- people who are very successful in comics tend to become successful by doing exactly the same thing over and over again. Mm. And um, and I'm uh, not that particularly interested. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I um, I will will you know occasionally break out and do something completely bizarre. I just did a uh, a piece for the uh, for the dialogue project illustrating a Lawrence Berwin Getty painting okay. uh, poem, mm-hmm. poem rather, and um, and it's very much unlike what I do. It, it looks different to me. You know, who knows? And you may think, oh, that just looks like everything else he's ever done. That's like it. You know, um, you know, it's just it's really a matter of, of finding the the visual sensibility to support the narrative. Okay. Well, you know, now you say that, Howard, and I would agree with you to a certain extent, because obviously, you know, Black Kiss, American Flag, 
Uh, there are similar things that run through them, but at the same time, you are kind of known for jumping around and doing different things. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, is you're very well known for a particular male hero archetype, clean shaven, dark hair, kind of a semi-square jaw, usually a guy who has some flaws. And I think, right. I think maybe Gideon Faust might have been the only blonde protagonist that I can remember. And that was because he came, he came to me fully re- realized by the writer. By uh, Lynn Wing, correct? Right. Okay. But at what, at what point did you become completely comfortable with reusing that archetype? Because you've repeated it a lot with, with oh, yeah. Flag and with Dominic Forge and Cody Starbuck. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, one of, the, one of the concepts that we ultimately were evolved before we got to the final idea for the cover of the Art Up book uh-huh. uh, was a figure of a, of a male hero standing with his back to us, looking in a mirror, which reflected back three characters. And surrounded by a wardrobe filled with different uniforms. Implica- impl- oh, that's that. brilliant! I like that. <laughs> the same guy doing this, you know, the same thing. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of it boils down to the fact that there are, there have been three major visual male archetypes, and actually that that also informed my narrative archetype in my in my life, and that's um, Henry Fonda, mm-hmm. uh, William Holden, and James Garner. Okay, uh, oh, and, James and Garner. to a profound extent, they all represent a a number of philosophies that apply to me, which are, you know, um, three representatives of mid-20th century American political and social liberalism, mm-hmm. and the Neil Simon philosophy of think Yiddish, go British. <laughs> uh, that, you know... Sorry. You know, all, all three, I mean, Fonda's a, a product of Nebraska. Yes. Um, Holden is a product... I, you know, I forget where Holden is from. I believe he's a New Yorker. Yeah, and yeah. Garner comes out of Oklahoma, and Garner comes out of the same geography that, that made Woody Guthrie, mm-hmm. okay, and and Will Gear. And there's a, actually there's a piece by Clive James, a review of the of the Garner autobiography in the new issue of the Atlantic, mm-hmm. uh, that is it it it's, it lays out in ways that my own my own lack of articulation why it is that Garner is of those three guys continues to be the most important influence in how I think about male hero. Mm-hmm. Most people think of Garner from the Rockford Files. Right. right. And I was never, I never watched the show all that much. I saw a couple of episodes. I loved the pilot. Never, never, it, was on, it was on television at the time when I was watching very little television. If we're on now, I'd be watching it. I'd be T-boat. I mean, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pathetic television watcher. I watch more television than any five people you know. Right. And, but I missed all this. I mean, for example, I, I've got the DVD package of a bunch of shows I missed in the 70s and 80s. They're uh-huh. unwatchable. Mm-hmm. They are glacial. It's like, get to it already. Come on. I'm an MTV kid. You know, come, on. Right. come on. I'm 60 years old and you're killing. Me, <laughs> so, but but for me, Garner is Maverick, oh, yeah, right. and a series that he did in the early seventies called Nichols, which you guys have never heard of and have never seen. No, but Maverick, I'm very familiar with. He was, well, he was excellent. But, Maverick. See, Ma- Maverick is a sketch for what ultimately evolved into Nichols. Okay, okay. Nichols is a show that ran for twenty six episodes. It was tanking so hard that the last episode of the series, they killed Garner off and replaced him with his tougher brother. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> It, it starred, it's Garner, Margot Kidder, wow. Harry Morgan, uh-huh. John Beck, John Beck. Uh, Stuart Margolin, who then went on to play Angel on, uh, on, on Rockford. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it basically took place in a, in a western town called Nichols in 1914, which had been founded by Garner's dad. Mm-hmm. Garner is a cashiered-out American captain in the United States Army who rides an Indian motorcycle. And it was charming, witty, clever, and usually influential. Okay. There was another Western on at the same time that lasted for two seasons called Laredo. Okay. Yeah. Which was a vicious parody of Bonanza. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that starred Philip Carey, Peter Brown, Neville Brand, 
and William Smith. Conan's dead. And <laughs> that, was, that was about three to four Texas Rangers. Those two shows, along with Fritz Leiber, hmm. are so profound an influence on the way I think about, about characterization, action, and plot. That I can't begin to I, be, I can't begin to pay back the influence those guys have had. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Garner Garner remains the archetype. If you get a chance, check out that article in the in, in the Atlantic. Okay. All right. Cool. Does that help at all? I mean, yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Very yeah. enlightening. Very enlightening. Now, you were talking earlier when you were describing the cover of your new Art of book with the wardrobe. You've you've always been known as a pretty sharp dresser. Uh, dresser. Oh, th- those days are gone, babe. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, that was New York. I, I mean, <laughs> no, I, I, I look like a homeless guy now. <laughs> you know what? You know what, Howard? I was going to actually kid you and ask you how many of those denim shirts do you own? Not anymore. Oh, really? I, 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 yeah, I mean, literally. I mean, I, my my old day was a my old outfit was by day was was jeans, cowboy boots, denim shirt, and then at night I dressed like a complete Euro fag. <laughs> and, 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 and those days sort of went away I mean now of course I mean as I speak I'm wearing a pair of, uh, of Rock, Rockport black sneakers and uh, a pair, pair of, uh, of Levi's and a black t-shirt and I'm going to pull on a, 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 an L.L. Bean shirt over it and, and go have breakfast with my beautiful wife when I'm done with you guys okay That's cool you right. know so I mean I, I live in you have to, where, where, where am I talking to where are you guys we're in Atlanta okay. yeah you live in a city mm-hmm. you know you live in a reasonably sophisticated city. You live in the outskirts of Atlanta? Yeah, outskirts. Yeah, we're not, we're not in the city proper, no. Okay. But, I mean, I live an hour and a half north of Los Angeles. Yeah. In a small town that was a, an oil town mm-hmm. and cattle town that is now a, an agricultural town. They basically, it's, it's strawberries and lettuce. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, I'm in witness protection, pal. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, the, the, we. I had breakfast with my wife a couple of days ago at a local joint. The waitress is new, and she said, "Are you guys from Los Angeles? Or do you live over here? We live up here." And uh, she said, "You've been hiding out here, haven't you?" And I said, <laughs> Henry Hill is there, so, your neighbor. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you, this is exactly that sort of town. Honest to God. Okay. And so, basically, li- dressing the way you're talking about, I would look like a fucking pimp. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I got rid of my suits within a year of my moving to California. I have a, I have a funeral suit, and I have a, a couple of sport coats for travel. That's about it. So I'm not, I'm not the dresser I was. But I was, for the longest time, a serious Euro trash boy. I got you. Okay. And, my, and my wife is a serious clothes horse. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's petite and um, is very, a real fashionista. Okay. And uh, and yeah, and has a very very age specific fashion. These fashionism. I mean, for example, she does not dress like a, like a twenty year old girl. None of that. None of that post twenty one shit. You know okay. I mean? Okay. Good for her. Yeah. She. I mean, no, she's hot. Okay. <laughs> well, I wasn't trying to. Imply. Right, look, I mean, my, my wife looks like Tinkerbell's mom. Well, there you go. Oh, okay. That, that, that's what I'm okay. All right. Oh no! Well, well, just to just to restate the question, Howard, um, I was actually more trying to, to, to get an answer out of me that you want. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, you're going off into the digression. Uh, I, well. That's my middle name. My middle name is H. Digression Chagan. <laughs> All right, the V stands for digression. <laughs> uh, just what what role does fashion play as far as um, your, your comics work? Because your um, your characters are always specifically. Dressed in outfits, it's not. A I, think you, I think you just answered your own question there. That's that's. It's a it's a huge influence. It's a huge idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, I mean, my feeling is costume is. You know, I'm a theater goer. Okay, mm-hmm. and to a great extent, you you the, the the job we had as comic book talent is to do the same thing that mu- that musical numbers and 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 dance numbers do on stage. 
mm. which is to shorthand character as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that, that's one of the reasons why I, I'm a great believer in, in, in making certain that everything I do is, is specific to character. You know? Mm-hmm. That, that's just the bottom line. Hmm. It, and, and, I mean, I just finished this, the, the new Avengers, the Avengers 59 stuff. Okay? Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I seem to be Marvel and DC's go-to guy for period stuff. Yes. Right. And, uh, and a lot of it is because I respect period material. I mean, I watched the first episode of Pan Am, for example. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. And, I, and, I, and, I, and my wife learns to me and says, the haircuts are all wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, it's really pissing me off. Mm. You know, I mean, it, I mean, particularly after you watch a show like uh, like Mad Men, right, mm-hmm. uh, or, or or Boardwalk Empire, where where there's a whether they're getting it right or not, it feels like it's right. 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 All the guys on on Pan Am, the hair is much too long, you know, and and they, and the women are ma- wearing makeup that's wrong, you know, and and I and, and it sort of got it interfered with it. It's kind of like I have these weird. You know, you talk about but 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 being dyslexic. There's a there's, there's a there's a turn of phrase in English. Uh, set foot in, okay, mm-hmm. which clearly people under, younger than me seem to hear as step foot in. Mm. And when I read a period piece written by someone, that jumps out at me and pisses me off so much mm-hmm. that it, it, get, it takes me out of the book, mm. okay? Um, I'm a great believer in at least going for authenticity. Mm-hmm. When, I did, when I did those inserts with Brian and, 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 uh, and Mike and the New Avengers stuff, I, I mean, had, it was Fury running around in Cuba, okay? Mm. Who's wearing up guabaneras, you know, dressing like Cubans, you know? Mm, right. Just get it, get it, get it right, you right, know? Right. Haircuts, you know, bullet bras, shit like this. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, 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 I mean, look, um, I had a great time drawing the Rawhide Kid stuff despite the script. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and a lot of it was an opportunity to do a mix of authentic westerns and absolutely nutty singing cowboy bullshit. <laughs> you know, dressing Annie Oakley like an Elvgren pinup. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. that, I mean, I'm serious. That 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 was, yeah. you know, I have no problems mixing those genres. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my wife just bought me a book of of of, of classic western photos from western films, which you know, I mean, I've got a, I've got two, a, two two projects that I'd love to do. One is a western, one is a period crime piece, and um, you know, there's just you know, I, I I always accumulate reference on the assumption it may happen. For example, that whole sequence in Dominic Fortune that involved the Chaco War, mm-hmm. Libya and Peru. Or Bolivian Chile, rather, um, was was based on reference that had been sitting on my shelf for years, mm. you know. And I just I knew that it would be a great way to introduce the characters, which is fun, mm. you know. Okay. So there's uh, there's uh, some quotes I wanted to bring up later on. Hopefully, we'll get to them. But uh, I do remember reading something where you talked about uh, people using and use the term presentism, uh, uh, you know, dealing with period pieces, right. but using the wrong references and the wrong uh, jargon of the day, and how right. how uh, unauthentic, I guess, is, mm-hmm. is the best way to describe that as be- uh, being. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you some stuff, and, and Adrian did too. I know about uh, your time uh, in Hollywood, uh, working as a writer on on like The Flash and Viper and Mutant X and all that kind of stuff. But I was curious. The Hollywood machine is notorious for like false promises and rewrites upon rewrites and meetings and you know drafts upon drafts, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. When you first got out west and you started networking and businessing, and did those things throw you, or were you ready for them? Because you came from from comic books, and comics is, of course, a smaller cog in the, in the bigger entertainment scheme right, of things, right. and, and seemingly simpler. Well, I was a flavor of the month for about 15 minutes, okay. and it went away really fast, and I was lucky enough uh, to get an offer of a staff job on The Flash from Bilson and DeMeo, mm-hmm. okay? And that led me to the place 
where I ended up becoming a television writer as opposed to a, t- a film writer. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've been forever grateful. I'm still, I still love those guys. I mean, I, I'm still working with those guys. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and Danny is now running a video game company. Okay. Really? Uh, yeah. And um, he works for THQ. Okay. Okay. And um, and I've done work for them over the past couple of years. And they're, and they're both they're both good and honorable men, which is probably why they're not working in television as much as they used. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite serious. I'm not being ironic. I mean, uh, television is a uh, is a frightening business. And and what and what. What people outside in the real world don't understand is that television is where the real money is, not movies. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Yeah, we've heard that, and I guess that's that may even be evidenced by uh, so many former A-list actors who are not working in television because they can make you know a good income and you know be in people's houses you know every week you know considerably. Well, I mean, for, for example, last night I watched a, I, I watched the T-Boat episode of um, of the um, uh, what you call it uh, the Good, good Wife, mm-hmm. which I consider probably the the best hour-long drama on network TV. Is that Julianne Margulies? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And one of the things that keeps bringing me back to the show is Alan Cumming, Scottish actor who's uh, extremely eccentric. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the show, he plays a, 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 a Chicago political fixer mm-hmm. named Eli Gold. And he actually wasn't in, in last night's episode, which, which was annoying because there was another character on the show that I really loved to have seen this character interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cumming is a perfect example of, of a, a British actor um, you know, like like Alfred Molina, a lot of these, and, and you, Laurie, actors that come over here who are serious stage actors or screen actors in England, who who recognize the opportunity of making you know an enormous fortune mm. um, and doing good work. You know, I mean, Damian Lewis, for example, the guy who's playing the lead on Homeland. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, mm-hmm. He did a show called Life, which ran for two seasons, which was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it was excellent. I thought. You know, um, so. So basically, uh, you know, I just I, I was I was delighted to be working in television. I never worked on a show I'd watch with any regularity. And Christ, Mutant X was a, was, an, was the only thing worse than Mutant X was was, it was Earth's final conflict. <laughs> you know, you get the work, you do the work, you get. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And I was grateful to have the work. And frankly, the work I had there makes it possible for me to live as I do now in a beach in a beach house that's was with no mortgage. Okay. Nice. Okay. God, God love them. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on the other hand, when I left, when I moved out of Cal- out of Los Angeles, I absented myself entirely from the business. Right. Because you cannot work in television unless you live there. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Howard, let me ask you this: When you left TV, now you talked about uh, losing weight, and you talked about being a happier, happier, more peaceful guy. Is it the working in TV that that created that adverse thing? Oh no, just... no, 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 no. Okay. No, no, no. no. Um, when I when I left television, I I was well on my way to becoming a complete cunt, and um, okay. and and I got fired on the. 6th or 7th of June of 2002, I forget which, it was a Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, about a month later, when I got over the shock of being really fired for the first time, I realized that I never wanted to go back to work with those cocksuckers. Mm-hmm. And, and that I was perfectly happy accepting the fact that I'd be making a dollar for my previous five mm-hmm. and ma- making my life smaller and simpler. Mm-hmm. You know? um, I missed the money. <laughs> God knows. Sure. Yeah, money was, it, was, it was obscene. You know? Mm-hmm. But and, and when you consider the fact that I was working on shit as opposed to these guys who are actually working on good shows, for Christ's sake. Right. Um, but I'm just a much happier man not being involved in it. I really am. Well, you, you describe that as horror money, and I wonder if the guys who work on shows like The Good Wife or, you know, The Wire back in the day or a show, a show that I really like on uh, BBC that uh, Dwight introduced me to, Luther. Luther was excellent. I, and I wish I liked Luther more. I mean, I, I'm, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm Idris Elba's bitch. I mean, Stringer Bell, <laughs> yes. he's fantastic. I love this guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I watched the first couple of episodes of Luther, and the only thing I liked about it was the relationship with him and that, sk- and that girl. The redhead. I just, yeah, I just didn't much like the show. Okay. Um, and, and, I, and I wish I liked 
like the hour more than I did. You know, for example, I felt it was just, it, it could have been an hour shorter, for example. Mm. Um, I'm curious about this new show, Appropriate Adult. Have you seen this? I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. It starts tonight. It's not Dominic West is a serial killer. Okay. Mm. Um, okay. You know, I mean, the things I watch regularly, you know, I love, you know, I love The Good Wife. Uh, I like Parenthood a great deal. Yeah. Um, and cause I'm, I'm a big Jason Kadams fan. I thought Friday Night Lights was one of the greatest shows ever on television. A lot of people say that. Oh, unfucking believable Kyle Chandler. Connie Britton, unbelievable. Just mm. amazing shit. Okay. I met Kyle Chandler a couple of years ago in the airport. It was like I was, I was like a total fanboy fag. It was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I love you. Oh, you know, I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, I mean, and it was one of the rare occasions my wife was with me because my wife hates actors. You know, just like, yeah, please, please, go away. You know. Okay. Um, doesn't care. So, um, you know, so there's a lot of great stuff out there. And, yeah. um, but I don't miss it. You know, I mean, I, I still I still have that old, the, the, the firehouse dog thing of like, lo- looking at the credits, see what I know is still working. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I was, you, you've also said, too, I guess, uh, in the past, that if, if TV and film didn't work out, that you would definitely come back to comics, as you described it, with your tail between your legs. But Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. And, but, but I also hadn't burned bridges, because I yeah. never took anything for granted. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know, that, 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 that idea of not being a naturally gifted talent has always served me very well. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, just by, by not by not presuming uh, on any level of entitlement, uh-huh. uh, I've been able to to support and maintain a career uh, based on accepting the fact, as I said when, I, when we started this conversation, how can I be of service? Mm-hmm. You know, right. I'm, I'm a great I'm a great believer in the fact that I work in a service based industry, and um, and that my job is to provide a service. My job is not to do the work I do, but to earn earn, earn income from my client. Mm-hmm. That's that's a very different perspective, I think, than a lot of other creators in this, you know, comics is concerned. I think I don't well, think they that, all that, that, subscribe that's, that's to that. Because it, it's because a lot because because it's a business that attracts. It, what you have to understand: the comic book is a business of hobbyism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a business made up of people who who came to comics as a hobby, and there's 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 frequently a, a, a difficulty to make the disconnect between having done it for as a hobby and being and doing it as a profession. Mm. Um, I, uh, I've been teaching for years at Marvel. Uh, well, that was, that was a kind of a, a Yoda-esque form of language. For years, I've been <laughs> a uh, seminar, yeah. on, along with Klaus Jansen, yeah. right. on you know to, to to talent they've got on, on, under under contract that they feel <clears throat> need, uh, need need to be sort of to boot camp shape up. <clears throat> and what I teach, I teach two things. One, I teach uh, narrative, graphic design in the service of narrative, <clears throat> and I also teach career management. And just talk about the how to, how to have a relationship with your client. I was talking to Casada yesterday, as a matter of fact, mm. and, um, and and I was I was saying to Joe, um, you know, I was talking about the concept of bread and butter accounts, you know, mm-hmm. and I said, look at you, you know, you and how many other guys working at the office actually had a career as a freelancer. And he said, well, and he started thinking. He realized with him and only a couple of very other guys, almost everybody who works at Marvel these days has never worked as a freelancer. Right. Wow. And it's an entirely different. Different sensibility. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's also it's true. It, it's as it's nearly as true as D, at DC. Mm. Um, but you know what you've got now is a is an entire community of editorial talent who have never had to work on the other side of the desk. Right. Mm. And that creates a, a chasm very between. very different yeah. sensibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, in regards to the the classes that you teach, Howard, mm-hmm. did you ever see yourself in a teacher or a mentoring role? Are you kind of predisposed to that at all? Only in the sense of, of you know ha- having worked with assistants, having learned how to delegate from from working as. I mean, bear in mind, besides working for Gill, mm-hmm. I also worked for Neil Adams and for mm-hmm. Wallace Wood and for right. Gray Morrow. Right. 
uh, all of whom I actually did hands-on work for. And I actually learned how to, to do segments and parts of jobs uh-huh. and, 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 ha- and how in turn to delegate segments and parts. Okay. You know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, a lot of what I do is, you know, I, I, I teach a, a kind of a story logic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I took the, um, the, the seminar on the road to Norway um, when I was in, in Norway. I was in Bergen, Norway. Uh, this past September, mm-hmm. and um, uh, while I was there, I taught this class, and it was a two-day affair, and I was fascinated by the fact that the first day, these people were just shit. I mean, it was a sign that they were amateurs, they weren't professional, mm-hmm. but they were able to take home what I discussed and actually do something with it and turn around material that reflected an understanding of what I was talking about. I was really incredibly gratified. Wow, yeah. okay, that good. I, that, I was, yeah. that I was able to actually convey what I... And, and this is very... This is English as a second language people. Mm, right. You know, so uh, that was... It was pretty fabulous. I was, I was incredibly gratified. Okay. Uh, Mike Perkins was, uh, was good enough to give me a hand. Mm. And um, Mike, Mike's a great guy. He's one of the, he's one of the real princes. And, um, and we had a great time. And it was just amazing. We, we were just... <laughs> we had a great time. It was just really a pit. Okay, and and I know that you've um, you and Klaus have actually um, done some classes at a couple of conventions yes. um, in the yes. past we, year. We, yeah, we, we we took it to Baltimore. Yeah, and um, you know we, we we and we've done some some and we did it at, at the Savannah College of Art and Design, as a matter of fact. Oh. Okay, now is there now are there any plans for 2012 to do something similar? Um, I, we I, I've been so busy, and Klaus Klaus and I haven't spoken in a while. We, we we've been out of touch. I, I owe him a call. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd love to do it again. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking very seriously, but I'm, I'm going to, to Copenhagen mm-hmm. in um, in April, and um, I've already and I'm dealing with my, my contact info over there with the idea of of doing a, a day's worth of a of, of seminar session. Okay. Um, which I'd very much like to do. Okay. Uh, that that would be very high on my list of of, of love. Howard, you, I was going to ask you because you you've mentioned. And you may, obviously, what you said before about uh, owning a home in California there with no mortgage, which says a lot about what I was going to ask. But, uh, you know, you, you've talked about uh, in the past that, you know, if you still lived on the East Coast, you might even be, you know, working at SVA uh, like Simonson or somebody else. I, I, I mean, I can't imagine, I can't imagine not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but obviously that wouldn't be the case if you own a home there unless, mm-hmm. you know, you and your wife just decided to just, you know. No, we're, we're not moving. Now, we, have, we, have too, we have too much family out here. I mean, I've got six grandchildren. Okay. And, um, okay. You know, and all, all but one of them are here. Okay, <clears throat> and uh, and we're we're you know we're 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 in their lives. We they they can't get rid of us. We're like we're like a, a carbuncle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, then let me ask you: Do you fear because you just had a birthday a few months back? Do you fear ageism? And if so, like what's your plan if the work were to dry up? Um, I've got a pension from the writers' guild. I'm okay. uh, I'm you know I've got a four hundred one k. Okay, and um, and I'll I'll get out there and uh, I'll I'll wear a paper hat and ask will there be fries with that, please? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, bear in mind. I mean, um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm I, I turned sixty one in October. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but I look really good. And yeah. um, all you know, right, I, I, hey, I mean, you are still I mean, sharp, sir. <laughs> I mean, the fact is, I don't, I don't. I mean, I'm too pissed off and cranky to present as an old man. You know? <laughs> um, and um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm still. I'm still a reasonably viable talent. I have absolutely yes. no idea. I mean, who knows? If the com- who knows? Will, I mean, who knows? Will, will the comic book business survive me? Will I survive the comic book business? Ah, <laughs> yeah. spoken question. like a true carbuncle. It's a uh, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, I mean, comics are are not. You know, you know, you know, you know the state of the business. Yes. No. Yeah. yeah. I'm not telling you anything. I'm not talking out of school. No. Right. Not uh, at comic all. Comic books are not. Uh, you know the the business they were. You know, five mm. years ago. Yeah. You know. 
Okay. And um, it's troubling. It's scary. Okay. But you know, I'm um, I'm just doing what I can do. Yeah. As we wrap it up, Howard, uh, two other quick qu- well, one quick question, and then hopefully you, you'll, indu- you'll indulge me for five minutes. But we do want to talk about the art book from Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have an, a hard date on that at this point? No, I don't. Uh, it's done. It is finished. Okay. I mean, we, we, we actually we actually made made one more adjustment to it uh, this past week, mm. as a matter of fact. Okay. But uh, I don't know. Okay. Um, um, I mean, you have to understand that for me, it's what's on my desk. Right, and I'm I'm rarely aware of publication dates. Mm, okay, it's pathetic but true. Okay, you know? okay. Um, I'm I'm much more conscious of what I'm actually working on as opposed to what's what's coming off, off, off out of the publishing house. I see. I see. Okay. Now I, I did have one other quick question for you, Howard. Sure. Um, I know that Dynamite uh, just recently got the rights um, to do The Shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you are a sneaky little motherfucker, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's the youngster talking, Adrian. Now, I like you one fucking bit, young guy. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you Don't start with me. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm really angry. I'm really hurt. <laughs> It was going so well. <laughs> we were getting along. He was talking about grandchildren. Why I oughta. Um, I, I, here, here's going to be the answer you're not going to want to hear. Okay. I can't talk about it. All right. Uh, but I really uh, want to. Wow. Ooh, well, that's enough for me then. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, I mean here's, here, Nikki and I were talking about it on Friday. Okay. All right. All right. Nick Berucci, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. No, Nick the Greek. What do you, you know? <laughs> and, you know. For, for those who are listening who don't know the players oh, involved. Oh, the hell with you are listening. <laughs> <laughs> You're eavesdropping. Right. How about this was a phone call, Dan? This is a right, conversation. I'm, I'm, this, this is for public hate? What are you talking about? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm really, we're, we're, we are trying to get something going. Okay. All right? Okay. All right. The last thing I wanted to do was, is, uh, and as I, as I stated earlier, I was a fiend for the print interviews. I found you to be a fascinating figure in comics when I was a teenager because you were, to me, you were so well-read, you had a great vocabulary, and you were really opinionated. And a lot of people are afraid to be opinionated about things or to just state what they feel to be true. Right. Well, and on the other hand, what's worse is someone who's really opinionated doesn't have a fucking clue about what what, what they're talking about. Opinion, yeah, you know? exactly. But I did want to ask you about some of the some of the quotes over the years. One is paraphrased, but the rest of them I think are pretty much verbatim. Okay. If, just to indulge me, okay. uh, you talked about at one point being more interested. Well, you talked about other comic creators having one idea and one thing they want to talk about, but you said I'm more interested in things like sex, death, and guilt. Mm-hmm. Is that still true? Absolutely. My man. Yes. <laughs> Un- unequivocally. Th- th- those are three of the four major food groups. <laughs> well, what is the fourth then? Well, it's probably it's a toss up between love and fear. Okay. It's like, it's like John Hendricks says, you know, there are, there, of the wonderful things there are, that we get out of life, there are four. <laughs> there, there may not be many, but nobody needs any more. You know, it's truth, honor, and happiness, and one thing more. You know, it's love, only wonderful love, that'll make it four. Wow! <laughs> and you're catching me in bad voice. That was not really good. right. Well, it is eight o'clock in the morning. Those are lyrics by John Hendricks to a Miles Davis improvisation called Four. Okay. 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 Nice. Uh, the second. The shit, you, the shit you get from me, babe. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Unexpected. Okay. Uh, it, one of the things you said was you said it's my biggest failing as I don't play down to my audience. Is that still your 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 position? Well, I've always assumed that I am the audience, and, and, and when the audience comes up to me and reveals that, it, that it's, uh, it has no idea what I'm talking about, it's like, 
oh my God, I fucked up again. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. I, I, I've always regarded myself as, as the ultimate journeyman talent. I mean, mm. in the, if I were to use a jazz metaphor, I would, I've, I've often described myself as a Jerry Mulligan of comics. Mm. Okay. Uh, a guy who could play with everybody. Okay. Okay. You know, he could play bebop, he could play swing, he could play trad. And, uh, and I'm that guy. And, you know, I mean, one of the things, I'm not, I'm not the best superhero artist in the world, I'm not the best roar artist, romance, kind, whatever, but I can do all of it. Yeah. You know? yeah. And to a great extent, I believe that has been both my greatest gift and my greatest failing. Okay. okay. On the other hand, the gift part of it means that a career has been sustained and maintained for years. Very so, much so. As Very opposed much so. to burning out fast in some, in some other context. Yep. True. Uh, another one. Todd McFarlane was a second-rate Art Adams. Art Adams was a second-rate Michael Golden. But my question is, is who is Howard Chaykin a second-rate imitation of? Um, any number of people. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a product of so many different influences, it's ridiculous. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I, mean I, 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 I steal from everybody. I steal from Alex. I steal from John Severin, who I regard as one of the great, great talents of the business. Yeah. Um, uh, Gil Kane is a huge influence. Um, a huge influence. Okay. Um, uh, lately, I've been I've been looking a lot at Playboy cartoonists because these guys are just amazing. Mm -hmm. um, just an, an enormous influence on me. Okay. 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 Uh, two more. Uh, you mentioned about credibility outside of the comics biz, and this is something I've quoted for years, and it's the funniest thing: is being a, the best comic book artist in the world is a lot like being the world's tallest midget. Who gives a shit? Right. <laughs> I stand by it. <laughs> It is, it is so it is so transient and tra transitional position yeah. that it, it's it's utterly meaningless. As, as enormous an income as I'm sure that Alex Ross makes doing what he does, he is just another asshole in line at the DMV. That's just what it is. <laughs> no shit. I mean, you know, really, that's, it, that's it, what it, it is. Means, you know, my, my wife has so little respect for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious, man. She says, "Who gives a shit?" You know, it's like a couple of months back. I did one of these interviews, and I made the mistake of reading the comments following the interviews. Uh -huh. And it hurt my feeling. I've only got one left, you know. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh. And, and, I'm, and I'm talking about this to my wife. She says, fuck those people. You never listen to me. Why do you listen to these assholes? And they, <laughs> you know? Hmm. I tapped my cheek a couple of times. Yeah. And I said, you might have a point here. You know? <laughs> um, I mean, my, my wife has never read a comic book in her life. Uh -huh. Her relationship with comics, based her love of comics, is getting off a plane in Europe. Saying, turning around saying, welcome to Germany, thank you comics, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm probably, whereas my grandchildren, my, the two girls who are, who are here all the time, are huge little Lulu fans. So oh, I'm a oh, hero yeah. by getting little Lulu from Dark Horse. Oh, you know? oh, look wow. at you. See, look, what can I say, babe? I do what I can do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's a, I live, like I say, I live in a small town where entertainment is not an issue. Nobody gives a shit about this stuff. Yeah. Half of the time I have breakfast with my colleagues says, you still making a fucking living drawing stick figures like an asshole? That, 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 that's <laughs> Talk about maintaining one's humility. Now you got it. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, then the last one is, and it's, it's kind of apropos, but uh, you said, uh, I, and this is a paraphrase, but you said, I have a life and I have a lifestyle to which I've become accustomed and I don't want it dictated to me by comic Comics. books. And you were talking mm -hmm. about deadlines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 I seriously have a great belief in deadlines. Okay. All right? Uh, the fifth issue of Avengers 59 right. was, when I got my schedule back in June, it was due on the 28th of November with an asterisk. All mm. right? And that actually meant the 21st, okay. because the 28th was the Monday after Thanksgiving. Right. And they wanted to have everything banked and booked before the holiday. Mm -hmm. All right? I had booked the trip to Baton Rouge, New York, and Raleigh-Durham. Yeah. 
okay? And in the course of that, I had made that booking some time back on the assumption that I'd be farther along on the book than I was. Okay. So when I got back on the 7th, my first, uh, the morning of the 8th, I sat down with 20 blank pages. Mm. And I made my deadline. Wow. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Experience and... Old age and experience beats youth and treachery. That's yeah. <laughs> and, I, and literally, today is today's Sunday. Friday, I signed off on the lettering. Mm-hmm. And this morning, before you called, I was rushing before you called. Just as the phone rang, I had finished doing notes on the first half of the colors from, from Edgar. Okay. From his brother. Okay. 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 And I was terrified when I, before I saw the page, and I said, oh, this looks good. <laughs> but I didn't fuck up. I must be really paranoid and afraid of being perceived as a shitbag, so I did a really good job. <laughs> That's awesome. It really is. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm serious. It's like, uh, you know, sometimes this stuff goes by you so fast, you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. 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 So, so but yes, I, I take deadlines very seriously. That's cool. Uh, because it's my time, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm. most definitely. Mm. Most definitely. But that's the story. Howard Chaikin, thank you, sir. Yeah. Hey, guys, thank this, this has been an absolute treat. You guys were, were incredibly well-mannered. You laughed at all the good shit. You didn't laugh at the bad shit, which I'm really happy about. <laughs> and um, thanks so much.